Happy Halloween, JD Tribe, and happy 30th episode. Can you believe it? Since today is an extra special day, we have an extra special holiday episode, which includes two simple rituals for clearing or manifesting that anyone can do straight from our guest witch, Lauren. So be sure to listen in all the way to the end. And you can use the code WITCH for 15% off your order from today, October 31st through November 1st by going to thejournaldeck.com forward slash shop and using the code WITCH at checkout again for 15% off your order from today, October 31st through November 1st. Now, on to the show. Hey JD Tribe and welcome to another episode of the Self-Care Spotlight brought to you by the Journal Deck, a 52 card deck where journal prompts meet oracle cards to bridge inspiration with action to help you live your best life full of self-care and living your truth, which is now available to shop at thejournaldeck.com. I am your host and founder, Alyssa Cousins, and today we have Lauren of Spirits and Sawdust for our Halloween episode. Before launching Spirits and Sawdust in Boston, Massachusetts, Lauren spent two decades studying a variety of healing arts, including magical herbalism, Reiki, intuitive tarot, divination, channeling, and mediumship. In her bio, she states, After years of study and practice, here's what I know for certain. We are all living with ghosts. Sometimes, especially here in New England, these spirits are centuries old. But more often than not, we're living with the ghosts of our family, friends, colleagues, and former partners. The kind of ghosts more likely to be living across town or haunting us on social media than visiting us from the spirit realm. Which is why I offer practical magic for living with ghosts of all sorts. And with that, I am so super excited to welcome Warren to the show. Well, thank you so much. Hi, everybody. I am delighted to be with you on Halloween. Light a candle, settle in. We are going to get magical. (laughs) I'm so pumped for this. (laughs) Honestly, okay, guys, listeners, context, I always provide it. Lauren, okay, how I found her. I was looking through Instagram, which is so funny because she ended up telling me that she's very new to Instagram, but yet her Instagram is so beautiful. And I was scrolling through because she does um, she does tarot at this amazing little shop called House Witch in, um, is it in Boston or in Salem? No, it's in Salem. It's in Salem. Okay, so yep. it's in which city? And I saw it, and I was in love with this store. It's House, H-A-U-S, guys, House Witch, on Instagram. And I saw it, and somehow that connected me to Lauren because she does tarot there and different workshops. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is the woman that I want to have on for my Halloween-based episode because, hello, she is a self-proclaimed witch. She's been you know, in this practice for like 20 years. She's the real deal, guys. And so I'm really stoked to have her here. She's going to answer so many questions that I know I have about what she does and about um, witch and pagan and Wicca and the difference and 
energy work and clearing spells and all kinds of good, fun, woo-woo things that I have questions about and that I know you guys have questions about because you guys seem to love all these woo-woo topics. You guys just love it. So I'm super pumped and we're going to dive right in. Lauren, okay. Okay. (laughs) I just want to like dive right in because I have so many questions. I want you to explain what exactly it is that you do. I I mean, I know what you do because I've looked on your website. I've read up. But what exactly do you do with your clients? Like what does a booking with spirits and sawdust entail? Sure. Um, So when somebody is booking me through spirits and sawdust, they're basically um, asking for kind of the Mary Poppins experience. In that, I show up on your doorstep. It's a house call. So I show up on your doorstep with my giant doctor's bag of magic. Um, And I work with you and your family, if you so choose, to address whatever's going on in your home. So um, that can look any way from, you know, I've had clients who absolutely have ghosts, actual spirits from centuries ago living in their homes who are misbehaving (laughs) and so sometimes I'll be called in to help address that but most of the time what ends up happening is when a family calls me in or an individual calls me in they feel like they might have a ghost but what I pretty quickly uncover is that what they're really dealing with is energy that they're bringing into their home or a loved one is bringing into their home that has nothing to do with a ghost and everything to do with what I call the living ghosts that we deal with all the time. Um, and so my work, depending on the situation, would include helping to clear energy from the space, basically creating that blank slate, um, working with the client to manifest the kind of energy, intention, vibes they wish to bring into their space, helping them do that, and then kind of giving them a little bit of homework to keep the magic going. I use a whole bunch of different tools for this, everything from crystals and herbs to energy work through my Reiki training. I use tarot, I use pendulums, lots of different divination tools. Um, And often, if we're dealing with actual spirit, whether it's um, a ghost you inherited that just happens to be living in your home, or the spirit of a loved one who's passed over, um, who's really present and with you, um, sometimes I'll open a channel and, and can help them to communicate with that spirit as well. So it really depends on what their needs are. It's so fascinating. Ugh. I don't know, like I told you, Lauren, I don't know anyone in my immediate area that I can think of that does what you do, which is part of the reason that I find what you do so fascinating and just really beautiful, you know, that you're helping. You you are. You are helping people to, as you say, have more freedom in their own homes, in their own businesses, in their own lives to feel comfortable. Um, I'm wondering... When you say that someone, they, they think that they have a, a ghost present, but actually it's just um, from a living ghost, mm-hmm. how, does that, how does that exactly work in terms of like, what, are, what, are, what is happening typically in their home that they think that there's a ghost? Sure. Um, 
You know, I will say, and perhaps this is helpful for your listeners, if you've been living with a partner, boyfriend or girlfriend, and you have a terrible breakup and they move out, but you still, there are certain parts of your apartment or your home, like you just don't want to be in, right? It feels heavy or oppressive or Mm -hmm. it brings up bad memories um, or it just feels like you get this overwhelming urge that you just need to like move the furniture around or like buy new bedding or do something to kind of shake things up. Um, Sometimes it's a similar feeling to that, right? Someone will be feeling like their, their home is unwelcoming or it's cold or the energy feels really stale um, or they're uncomfortable. Oftentimes those feelings have nothing to do with spiritual presence and everything to do with what's going on with them psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, physically, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's oftentimes much more about self-healing, self-care, self-love, um, and helping them to really manifest and bring in, replace that kind of energy with the kind of energy they want to be living with. Got it. Okay, that makes perfect sense. And I, I yeah, I get it because they're definitely – sometimes, you know, I've even walked into other people's homes and you can't mm-hmm. put your finger on what it is. Oh, yeah. But you're like, oh, oh yeah. something feels like I don't feel comfortable in this space. A hundred percent. Yeah. And here's the thing. Our intuition about that is always right. It's always right. But I think for a lot of people, it's easier to point to some sort of supernatural conclusion than to really address the elephant in the room, right? What do I need to deal with um, that's mine <laughs> or that, you know, was, was put upon me by another person? What do I need to deal with that I'm not dealing with versus let's blame a ghost, I love that because, like I told you, I I love how you say I offer practical magic for living with ghosts of all sorts because for sure there are, they, you don't call them ghosts, you call them your (laughs) ex-boyfriend. Right. (laughs) Or maybe something worse, but yeah. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, we have like losses and exiting, you know, in our lives of all kinds. We we just, you know, what's really common too is if you have somebody at work that's really giving you a hard time, a boss or a coworker, and you're really thinking you're leaving that at work, most people aren't. Most people are bringing that home, right? Um, Similarly, things that we feel like we might have already dealt with in our childhood can haunt us for decades, right? And we realize that we're doing something that feels really out of alignment to us, but we don't realize, oh my gosh, I'm mimicking behavior of my parents, for example, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's those kinds of things that can really linger in physical spaces. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big proponent of even if you're not feeling like things are particularly off in your home, I do a clearing in my space quarterly. I do it by the season, change of season. I do an energetic clearing, just like we, you know, change over our closets or, you know, put out our lawn furniture or whatever. I do it from an energy perspective as well. I just feel like it's a very healthy self-care practice. Ooh, I love that. (laughs) Oh, and now everyone's going to go do that. (laughs) Good, good. I hope they do. I hope they do. So how did you get into this? I have to ask, like, I mean, how do you just get into this world? And how does that happen? 
Yeah, well, it's very different for everyone. Um, so full disclosure, I'm going to be 40 next year. Um, and I have been practicing for over 20 years. I got into um, witchcraft in college. Um, and this was a this was the mid nineties before the internet was a thing. So books <laughs> um, really was the only way to kind of figure this out. Um, and I actually have kind of a little witchy story about how I um, first fell into witchcraft, which was um, I'm a nerd. I'm a huge nerd. And so when it came time freshman year to choose a work study job, I, of course, chose working at the library, working at my college library. And my job was to reshelf books when people brought them back. So one night I was working alone on the upper floor of the library. It was dark. Um, you know, those little um, sconce lights that they have in old libraries. Mm-hmm. I was working by like this little lamp. <laughs> and I was reshelving books. And as I put a book on the shelf, a book um, like two or three stacks above me literally flew off the shelf and smacked me in the foot. Now, I wasn't touching that shelf at all. I was doing nothing that would have made that book fall. And it was in the middle of, it was firmly shelved in the middle wow. of a bunch of other books. And it flew off the shelf and smacked me in the foot. And I picked it up and the title was Living in the Lap of the Goddess. I know. I just got goosebumps. I know. I still get goosebumps when I talk about this story. So I start thumbing through it and I realize that it's a sort of academic look at ancient matriarchal cults. Now, I had been, I grew up in a very rural community, was raised in the Christian church, um, you know, had zero access or exposure to anything like this the first 18 years of my life. But I was this very sort of avant-garde weirdo that sort of discovered feminism at a pretty young age and was pretty outspoken about it to the point that made me kind of unpopular among my peers. So in college, I was already very interested in feminism from an activist standpoint and an academic standpoint. So this book was immediately interesting to me because part of what never sat well with me in the Christian tradition was the patriarchy, was the fact that at the top of the pyramid were these male figures that I could not identify with. Um, And so this book was immediately appealing. Um, For the first time in my life, being presented with the idea of a divine feminine. And that just spoke to my soul. I mean, it made perfect sense. It aligned with my ethics. Um, it aligned with my belief system. and aligned with me as an 18, 19-year-old woman trying to figure out myself and harnessing my own power, you know? So that book was the very sort of tip of the iceberg that led to the avalanche of me um, you know, checking out dozens and dozens, anything, any kind of book I could find related to the divine feminine. Um, and that was my entry point. So I began to develop my own solitary practice trial by error. Um, I had this tiny little altar out of, you know, that I made out of a shoebox in my college dorm room. And I would like secretly light candles cause you weren't allowed to have candles in the dorm, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and really 
And up until I graduated and moved to Boston, I hadn't really ever met anybody else that identified as a witch or was interested in the divine feminine at all. Um, It was a very self-exploratory path. Once, however, I got to New England and I got to Boston and I began to meet other people that had sort of come to their own paths in similar ways, that's when I really began to deepen my practice and start studying um, with some wonderful teachers and making um, friendships and magical, you know, uh, connections within community. That's when things really took off for me, sort of 2000, 2001, that time period. Um, And now, I mean with the internet and social media and the fact that um, magic and witchcraft is so much a part of our popular culture now, um, it's almost unrecognizable to me. But, you know, back in the mid-90s, I was really flying blind. (laughs) Yeah. There are two things that are interesting to me about this story is, number one, it, it just kind of hit me when you just said the name of that book. What what was the name? Living in the... Lap of the Goddess. Living in the Lap of the Goddess. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is super... <laughs> what I would call weird, not weird, as I'm literally reading a book right now. And it's called The Dance of the Dissident Daughter by Sue Monk Kidd. And she talks about when she first... She saw this painting... That was a painting of, um, it's, uh, it's, it's literally about, it's a very famous painting and I can't think of the artist that is supposed to be the lap of the goddess. Oh, wow. And that. that there's this famous painting of a man and a woman, um, it's supposed to be like the divine masculine or something and the divine feminine, I think, sitting in the lap of the goddess, the mother god. And when you said that, it literally just was like, oh, my gosh, I just read that. Like, I just read about uh, some, like, right? <laughs> I love that. I yes. love that. I, yeah, it just, that, that just triggered that, that I just read it. Um, okay, so there's that. So I know me and you are supposed to be talking. <laughs> and then part two is how you said about, you know, you were doing this in the 90s when being a witch wasn't necessarily like the cool thing or at all accepted. Correct. And now everyone is kind of like this whole like, you know, I'm the head witch in charge, like being witchy. Um, and not that I don't think that they mean it in like a way that's at all like um, not in a bad way, but just that they're very proud of like, yes, I do this. Like this is how I feel. This is how this is what I practice. And I'm really curious what your thoughts are on this new acceptance of witches or like being witchy, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I think people who who genuinely practice witchcraft as their religious or spiritual path are going to have different views on this. I tend to be pretty liberal when it comes to that topic in the sense that I think any visibility that we are bringing to the figure of a witch, particularly a feminist witch, um, there's, um, this is not my word, somebody else came up with this, but W-I-T-C-H, woman in total control of herself. I love that. Um, I am totally supportive of that. I am totally supportive of any sort of self-empowerment mindset um, that helps Um, female identifying people to feel empowered wonderful great 
huzzah. I also love that it's really easy for me now to find, you know, Palo Santo or different crystals (laughs) anywhere. And you can get crystals at Urban Outfitters now. Like, it's crazy to me because that stuff I used to have to mail order on eBay and wait months for, you know. So it helps, you know, just from a purely logistics standpoint. It's very convenient. Um, On the flip side, I would say that... um, If people are going to use the term witch, if they're going to identify with that, I always think, again, let's go back to the fact that I'm a nerd, I always think it's a good idea to do your research, to understand what you're talking about, to understand the traditions um, or the spiritual paths or practices that you might unintentionally be representing. Mm I just think that's always a good idea. And look, you know, neo-paganism in general is incredibly appropriative of other existing faiths and traditions. So I'm not saying it's this like pure thing that must be honored, but I think doing your homework is always a good idea. Sure. And I actually haven't heard that woman in total, woman in total control. Yeah. I haven't heard that. (laughs) That's good. came up with that but I've seen it um and I think that that's fantastic and I think a lot of and not to put people in categories but I'd say a lot of millennials female identifying millennials are really approaching the figure of the witch in that way yeah which I'm all for Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it's like that that vision of Beyonce in the lemonade video you know (laughs) that's to me, that's like that W I T C H, right? Uh, <laughs> yes, and woman in total control. <laughs> what I find interesting about that is again another book is Rise Sister Rise by Rebecca Campbell, and my book club and I we just read that, and that she talks about how the word virgin in and of itself originally, um, really, actually, all it had to do with was a woman who was in and of herself. Like who? Right, a woman unpossessed. Yes, correct. Right. Yes, correct. and so to me, you know, that she talks about that there's those parallels between what is witch and what is virgin in its essence. Mm, that's interesting. That's actually the 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 Vestal Virgins. Um, that tradition is hugely important um, to one of the covens that I'm in, and I'm a big big proponent of that. Yeah, it was. A, it's a really. Have you read that book? I have not. It's on my list, though, from our last conversation. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes, I did bring it up. And she does. And it's just, it was really fascinating because, of course, the most famous would be the Virgin Mary. Right. And she, you know, talks about that. Not really so much, I don't think, from a religious context, but from a spiritual context. Totally. You know, and the Mother Mary, by the way, is... She is often a very important figure for contemporary witches. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of women who practice witchcraft and who talk to Mother Mary a lot. It makes Um, sense to me. She's sort of a universally embraced figure. Yes. I think that it, after reading that book too, it really was like, whoa. Like I felt like someone like just like totally blew the, you know, like blew the top off. I was like, wait a minute, what? Virgin means this and witch and what? And oh, whoa. You know, it, it all just... Not that I grew up in a very religious background, because I didn't. I was raised Lutheran, and they're, like, more liberal than certainly the Catholicism. But it really, coming from still the, the patriarchal religious background, nonetheless, um, totally. that was how I was raised. I went to Sunday school and all that jazz. Um, 
Yeah, me so too. Even though it wasn't like pushed down my throat, I know people that it was um, from more of a Catholic background. Um, it's still really when I read that it 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 has made me really think a lot about things. And now I'm reading this book, and she's talking a lot about her, you know, this the dissident daughter, the dance of the dissident daughter. It's her journey, what she calls from Christian tradition to sacred feminine. And how she's evolved and, and moved into this mother god, more matriarchal, that there can be a divine feminine, not just this all high power masculine figure. And so, anywho. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm fully supportive of that. Yes. And I, I you know, I, I agree with you. I think it is because I am a millennial. I am. You know, I'm, I'm one of them. So <laughs> that would be hey, me. No judgment. No judgment. But I agree, like a lot of um, <clears throat> my friends and I, I think it is interesting and I just wanted to know your perspective on this new wave of acceptance. I mean, exactly. I agree I agree with you. I think that exposure in this way, is it's good as long as it's respected. Yeah, and it's as long as it's informed, yes. right? You know, understand the words you're using. I think um, witch um, or witchcraft means something very different than Wicca. Yes. And I think oftentimes if people haven't done their homework, they think that's the same thing, right? And it's not. Right. And um, I would love if you could, that's one of the things I wanted you to touch on is, you know, this difference. Because, again, when you and I had our preliminary meeting, like, that I didn't even really understand fully the difference between Wicca, paganism, which you know, can you kind of break that down a little bit so listeners can understand what all of that means? Sure, sure. So the the um, example I like to use when I'm first explaining this um, for folks that are familiar with a Judeo-Christian background is, let's say, all Catholics are Christians, but not all Christians are Catholics, Right. Similarly, all Wiccans are witches. Not all witches are Wiccans. Mm -hmm. Wicca itself is a very specific path. It's a pagan path. Um, It's not one that I follow, but it's one that has certainly informed my understanding of neo-paganism and contemporary witchcraft. Um, Wicca is not an ancient religion. It is what's called a new religious movement. It was created in the 20th century (laughs) in England um, and was popularized in the 1950s by a man, Gerald Gardner. So when people think it's like this ancient feminist kind of, you know, lineage, that is entirely false. Um, And around that time, there was a lot of... um, flawed academic work coming out sort of connecting contemporary witchcraft to quote-unquote the burning times or the witch craze um, or the fact that you could trace the roots of neo-pagan religions to ancient practices Um, we now now there's greater understanding that all of that is mythology Um, And that, in fact, you know, witches who were, quote unquote, persecuted back in the day, like 17th century, etc., more often than not, were not witches. (laughs) Right. Not in the way that we talk about it today. So that would be like in Salem. 
Correct. Nobody who was, and first of all, no witches were burned in Salem. Right. Um, both men and women were tried, convicted, and for the most part hung. Right. One individual was pressed to death, but everybody else was hung. Yes, and that was a man. And that was a man. And not a single one of them was a witch. They were Puritan, but they were super, super Christian, right? Um they were just being vilified for all kinds of reasons. And often they were socioeconomic reasons, you know, people wanting their land or their property, that kind of thing. Um, so no, I mean, I think there's a lot of misconception about what we practice today as witchcraft, what, you know, historic practices looked like. What I will say is that, you know, were there pagans hundreds and hundreds of years ago? Of course there were all that pagan means is, you know, sort of like peasant people who live close to the earth right and because they survived based on the earth's bounty right what you plant and what you sow um the festivals of the year that contemporary witches now celebrate do often reflect harvest festivals and planting festivals and things that sort of make sense with the earth's cycles that would have been celebrated by villages um, because that's how they survived another year, right? By planting the crops and then <laughs> reaping their rewards, right? So are there connections? Yes. Are there these sort of direct lineages? Um, by and large, no. Although you will talk to people who are contemporary witches who say, no, I can trace my lineage through like 10 generations of women in my family. And that very well might be the case, right? They might have their own specific tradition that they've passed down. Um, but by and large, you know, Wicca, not an ancient practice. Okay, so Wicca doesn't is number one. It's not an ancient practice. Like no. that's not what the divine it's a feminine temporary new religious movement. Right. So there's that piece. Um, there's the other piece that paganism or being pagan is really is it's one with the earth. So it's an earth based spirituality. Okay. So is it fair to say? that people who call themselves witch, such as you, can identify in some way or feel connection to the past of paganism. And you kind of, it's like you took paganism and witch or witchcraft or however you want to call it has almost taken paganism to, is it like to a higher degree with more ritual involved? No, it's not even so much a higher degree. I mean, you'll get a lot of people who identify as pagan who don't identify as witches. So this is another important thing to understand about the like neo-pagan community as a whole. There are many other paths. Um, you'll get people who you know follow a druid path or sort of a Celtic spirituality path or a heathen path. So that's Norse mythology, um, or are really interested in the fae or fairies. Um, or our green witches, or kitchen witches. Um, there are so many different pagan paths where people who adhere to them don't identify as witches. They identify within their specific paths. Um, really, the sort of umbrella of pagan truly just means um, somebody who had, follows some form of earth-based spirituality, okay. believing in the divine and the natural world. Got it. Okay, so it's like paganism, and then there's like all these offshoots. Many, many, many. So often um, they're referred to as paths or traditions. Okay. Um, you know, and there's many, many, many. And they're infinite because people are inventing new ones all the time. 
Okay. Um, Makes sense. I'm currently in two covens and um, my Boston based coven, we are in the process this year actually um, of really defining and setting our own individual path and tradition for our circle. So where does that come from then when you hear people say that witches were burned and, you know, that they did, they should have, you know, where does that come from then? I'm assuming that comes from the paganism and that must be from a very long time ago. It's, well, I mean, it's mythology, right? It's like stories that sort of get told over time and changed. Also, there were a, a quite a lot of books that came out in the 20th century that sort of told these stories. Like you'll often hear quote unquote, the burning times, right? Um, It's not actually accurate. And if you're really interested in understanding all of this, how all the neo-pagan paths fit together, what the history really looks like, the best book, hands down, bar none, is a book called Drawing Down the Moon by Margot Adler. Okay. Um, she was a tremendously, she, she passed away a few years ago, but she was a tremendously respected journalist. And she wrote, it's this massive book. I mean, it's, it's a big fat brick of a book. Um, but it is, I think the number one best source for anybody wanting to understand all of that. And will do a much better job than I will do sitting here kind of explaining in my own mm-hmm. understanding. Cause I can only speak from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but that book is an incredible, incredible resource. And, and in her appendix, when she lists all of her sources, also really great resources. Perfect. I will put that in the show notes. I have that written down. So that's so interesting to me because the fact that that's like what everyone thinks. Everyone thinks that. And I actually this well, I actually just had another moment. I <laughs> I just remembered when I was um 18, I had to do a senior paper <laughs> on a, the theme was mass chaos and I did it on the Salem witch trials. And that's what I did it on. And it fascinated me because I've always loved history. I was actually a history major in another life, I always say. And Oh, well, you would you would love Margot Adler's book then. You'll really groove on that. Yeah, so I think that's so interesting that, you know, that, yeah, in Salem, they weren't witches. It it absolutely wasn't. And it was hysteria. It was mass hysteria. And that, you know, I guess if – maybe it's, you know, maybe it's really just stemming from when the Christians, you know, when there was that – back in a long time ago, whenever they were persecuting people who weren't Christian, maybe that's kind of where it comes from? Well, there is some truth to to, um, when new religions were coming into, when when colonization was happening, and when new um, groups of people were coming in, they conquered new lands, right? it was much easier to get the locals to go along with the new stuff if they made the holidays feel familiar. So for example, Easter, right? Um, In pagan traditions, Ostara, which is sort of a fertility festival that falls around the same time. um, And that's where we get the eggs and the bunnies and all that good stuff. It was very much sort of like things die and then they're born again, you know? Ah. <laughs> so you, you begin to sort of trace 
um, similarities between many, many, many different traditions. Wow. And it's not like a one-to-one matchup, you know? Mm-hmm. But you begin to see like, oh, if you're the new conquering group and you want to get the local people to kind of come on board and fall in line, it's going to make more sense if you can incorporate some of their kind of pagan earth-based traditions into whatever your new regime looks like so oh that just blew my mind (laughs) (laughs) whoa okay yeah i get it yes and then that overall obviously we all know that then christianity went on to become you know what it is today in this gigantic system really of organized structure and patriarchal systems and what we see just in society in general and yeah wow i mean organized religions in general were a form of crowd control Mm -hmm. right like how are you going to um assure that all of these new people that you've just conquered are going to behave right Right. so (laughs) there is a little bit of that element too now again i am not a religion a religious Mm -hmm. scholar i'm not I can only kind of speak to my own experiences and sort of based on what I've read. One of my dearest, dearest friends who I met in one of my first covens here in Boston, actually, um, this is what she has her PhD in new religious movements. And she is like, blows my mind with her information and the level of depth one could get into around any of these topics. Um, So I do not, you know, want to sit here and kind of position myself as an expert other than to say it's a lot more Heck yeah. We've been led to believe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, you blew my mind. So, (laughs) yes. And then there, yeah. And then there's like all lovely witches off on the side, just like doing your thing. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, let's transition a little bit here. Thank you for that description, though. I think that really helps because it is confusing. Like, well, and pop culture is to blame for a lot of it. Um, I recently rewatched Buffy, like all the seasons of Buffy. It's fun, <laughs> yes. it holds up. I really do like that show. But their description of Wicca, and, and you know, they, they say that um, Willow, who's the, the witch in the show, they, they, they refer to her as a Wicca, which is hilarious because that's not what she would say. She's somebody who practices Wicca, not a Wicca, right? She's a witch. Um <laughs> Excuse me. Their um, depiction of that is so flawed and crazy. Um, but then people watch that and think that that's sort of what the reality is. You right. Know, shows like Charmed and Sabrina the Teenage Witch and movies like Practical Magic and The Craft, you know, these are all super entertaining and I enjoy all of them. But none of them are accurate representations. Mm. And so they spread misinformation in a way that like, we then ingest as reality. Sure. Truth. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally thinking of Hocus Pocus, which I just watched this weekend. <laughs> I love that movie. It's so entertaining. There's absolutely nothing about it that is at all clo- even close. I would, Of all those examples I just threw out, Practical Magic is the one, the movie version at least, is the one that is the closest um but it's still hugely fantastical oh goodness i feel like you could write a paper on (laughs) totally totally (laughs) on the falsities oh that's so oh my gosh 100 percent. oh now everyone's gonna be rethinking like oh (laughs) 
but they are entertaining. Like, I could probably recite all of Hocus Pocus. Well, and here's the thing. I love them, too. You know, I love watching depictions of witches. I love believing in magic, you know? Um, I'm not sitting here faulting or judging any of those things. I'm just saying that they have contributed to the sort of mass misunderstanding of what witches and witchcraft are. Absolutely. Totally get it. Okay, uh, let's talk, I want to, as a transition here, since we've talked a lot about, you know, what being a witch is and what it isn't and what you do with people, um, okay, so how can, or like, what is a simple clearing spell or energy work ritual that anyone could do if they're feeling like, my space feels stagnant or there feels like there's just something stuck or negative. Is there some really simple ritual, something to clear someone's space? Absolutely. Um, And before I get to that, I just want to lay the foundation of what do I mean by the word witch? Okay. What I mean by the word witch, my personal definition, a witch is somebody who practices magic. What do I mean by magic? My definition of magic is simply the belief that one's own energy or intention can be directed for a specific purpose. Which, by the by, doesn't that sound a lot like self-care? Yeah. Right? So that's all I mean by magic. So when you say, is there a simple method for clearing space? Yes, but it's all based on my definition of magic. So harnessing your own energy and intention for a specific purpose. It's not so much the tools we are using. I love using tools. They're fantastic, but they are not the magic. You are the magic. Mm. So if you're going to take on any sort of magical pursuit, such as clearing a room or clearing a space, you must first understand that you are the magic that it, was, it is within your power to do this. Mm. And this is the distinction, too, often for um, many pagan paths versus a Judeo-Christian path, in, is that we are not always, sometimes we are, but we are not always asking a divine power to intervene and do something for us. We are operating from the belief system that we have the divine within us, that we are powerful and we can do this, mm-hmm. Right. Which is, again, this very empowering sort of self-care model, which I love. Um, side note, I do work with deities, and I, that's very much part of my practice, but not all witches do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you basically, to clear a space, first and foremost, you are going to take a moment. You're going to tune in with your breath. If you have a meditation practice, great time to use it. If you don't, simply sitting quietly and tuning in with your breath for a few minutes just to clear your mind and set your intention. So for this example, um, our intention is, I wish to clear this space and to bring in an upgraded kind of energy, whatever that is, right? I want to feel joyful. I want to feel safe. I want to feel protected. Um, I want to feel calm. I want to be able to sleep better at night. You're going to specifically state what it is that you want. You're going to get crystal clear in your own mind and you're going to Put that out there to the universe. Then, using your energy and intention and focus, you are going to move throughout the space and basically get the energy moving. 
It's like when you warm up at the gym, right? We're going to get the energy moving. You can do that in a number of ways. You can do that solely with your own energy. You don't even need a tool. But if you want tools, and I like to use them, um, lighting some Palo Santo or some sage um, or even a candle is a great way. Um, those all, so if you're burning something, you're using air energy to clear, right? Because the smoke is in the air. Mm -hmm. If you're lighting a candle, you're using fire energy. If you want to use earth energy, I like to use plain old sea salt out of your cabinet. Um, you can either sprinkle that around the space or dissolve it in some water that you can kind of spray, um, or kind of flick around the space. Um, if you want to use purely water energy, um, you know, putting a few drops of essential oil that you love the smell of into a bottle of spring water and spritzing that around your space. Any of these are tools that you probably already have in your house um, and you can very easily do. Um, for clearing, if I'm trying to rid myself or remove a certain kind of energy, I like to move through the space in a counterclockwise direction. And this is a little bit of a Wiccan tradition. Um, to move counterclockwise is called Wittershins. And um, it's really good when you're sort of unwinding things or releasing things. Mm -hmm. So I like to move in that direction. Um, if you'd like to tie your practice to the cycles of the moon, which can be very powerful, particularly for female identifying people, um, the time to do a clearing would be during the waning or the dark moon. So this is the time between the full moon and the next new moon is an awesome time to do this kind of work. Um, once you have completed the clearing, you're basically operating off of a blank slate, which you can live with for a little while. I know some people like to wait until the next new moon to plant the seeds of new intentions, but you don't have to. Um, to then manifest and bring in what you want, you're going to go the opposite direction. You're going to move in a clockwise direction, and you're going to invite in all of the good, juicy, wonderful things that you want to bring into the space. Um, and would that so, be on a full moon? Um, new moons are, number one, the best time. That's for the clearing, but what about for the no, manifesting? No, 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 that's for manifesting. So for clearing, you want to do it during the waning moon, which is between the full and the new moon. Mm -hmm. So it's the second half of the month, basically, although it falls at different times, depending on, you know, our calendar. Um, the bringing in, that starts on the new moon. New moon is when we sort of plant the seeds of new intention. So think of it as like new beginnings, right? And then through the full moon, on the full moon, we are sitting in this place of gratitude, right? And honoring what has come through for us. Mm. So between the new moon and the full moon, sort of the first half of the month cycle, as it were, is a great time to do manifestation work, okay. um, to ask for the things that we want. Okay. And that's when you said then you would move in the clockwise. clockwise. Yeah. Um, and you can do that in a lot of different ways. Um, again, burning a sort of sacred smoke or incense. Mm -hmm. um, Palo Santo, I'm really grooving on these days and it, it's everywhere these days. You can find it anywhere. That's a lovely sort of, it feels, it clears, but it also has a great kind of like blessing quality to it. So I like to use that. Um, or I like to make my own special blend of essential oils um, that feel really juicy and aligned for whatever my intention is. And I'll spritz that around. Um, also, when you're manifesting, having some beautiful sacred items to set around your space, such as crystals um, or 
you know, say you're trying to manifest a new job or a new um, trip or to bring a new love to your life, right? Anything that represents those kinds of things for you are great to put in your space because what you're doing is you're amplifying your own sort of energetic intention, right? Mm -hmm. Love it. Okay, that was, okay, fairly simple. You have the affirmation that you gave us. You know, getting tuned in, saying an affirmation to tune into what it is that you're trying to either clear or to manifest. And then either during the waning moon or on the new moon, either moving counterclockwise or clockwise to either clear the space or manifest. Yeah. And again, these are just my practices. Mm -hmm. Um, Other people would do it differently. But I think this is, you know, when I'm working with a client, this is typically the types of things that I'm leading them through. Thank you. Simple. Perfect. Very practical magic. Exactly. Okay. So... Since this is a self-care spotlight, yes. I ask everyone, as a, before we go into the fun rapid fire at the end, if I offer you the question, what does self-care mean to you? What comes up? Self, <clears throat> self-care to me is listening to and honoring my intuition. Mm, simple. It's simple, but again, it's that practical magic piece. Um, any kind of self-care practice for me leads back to my intuition. If I'm not tuned in, if I'm not listening, if I'm not trusting, um, I'm out of alignment. And when we're out of alignment, then we are not caring for ourselves in the best, in the highest and best way. Yes. That's one of my favorite words is alignment. I use it all the time with both my tarot clients and my, um, spirits and solace clients. Mm -hmm. So... The first rapid fire question I always ask everyone, I have a feeling that I know the answer, (laughs) but if you had to describe self-care in one word or feeling, it would be? Magic. Oh, magic. I thought you were going to say either intuition or alignment. (laughs) Well, and frankly, those words kind of all mean the same thing to me. (laughs) Yeah, but magic. Yeah, that's, I love magic. Oh, that's a great word. Okay, in terms of self-care, I could be better at... I could be better at holding myself accountable to a daily practice. Mm. My favorite form of self-care movement or exercise is? It's a tie between yoga and hiking. Mm. Both so, like, clarifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I never had to do this again, it would be? That's tough. Um, <laughs> I like this question. <laughs> that's a really tough one. I never had to do this again. Mm. Could be anything at all, even funny. Like some last person, they said laundry. Ah, I actually don't mind that. You actually know the thing that I dread the most um, is feeling unsafe. Um, in a public space due to um, male energy that is aggressive or threatening. Ooh. Yeah, I feel like female-identified people especially, we deal with this a lot. Like, we're always worried for our own physical safety 
in public spaces, right? Getting on the train or like walking through a dark street by ourselves at night, Uh Um, like living with that constant fear that something's going to happen. um, That would be the thing that I would remove for all of us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. More power to you, sister. That's like a big one. Yeah. It's a huge one. That's my big dread. Yeah. All right. This question's a little bit lighter. Okay. And I ask everyone, milk chocolate or dark chocolate or not a chocolate person? Oh, my God. Milk chocolate. Um, I'm actually on day 32 of completely giving up sugar, though. And I'm an addict. I'm a huge sugar addict. And milk chocolate's my most favorite thing. So I've <laughs> 32 days without it. Go you! <laughs> I give you major props, sister. Like, major. Oof. Oof. Yeah, I am. I'm a sugar. I'm a sugar (laughs) addict. I believe you. I really, really do. Okay, do you have a favorite tarot deck? I do. Um, I own. This is probably not surprising to you, but I own like twenty plus tarot decks, and I've owned a lot more throughout my life. I tend to give them away when I feel like they're not for me anymore. Mm -hmm. I give them to a person I feel like they belong with. But my. My first love, my primary deck, the one I use the most, is the Aquarian Tarot, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of an Art Nouveau interpretation of the traditional Rider weight, and I believe it came out in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s. All right. Aquarian Tarot. All right. So we've come to the point in the podcast now where I want you to be able to tell listeners where the heck they can find you, because I know <laughs> they are going to be like... Where is this woman? Like, how can I talk to her? They're going to want to know. So what's your website? What's your Instagram? I know that you live in Boston. So I know you do distance sessions, though, I believe as well. So I do. How can we find you, Lauren? Please come find me. I would love to talk with you. Um, My website is spiritsandsawdust.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram at spirits and sawdust, all one word. I'm pretty active on there and I do respond to DMs. Um, in person, you can find me at House Witch in Salem. I'm the in-house tarot reader. Um, during the month of October, our schedule, as you can imagine, is kind of all over the map. Um, but, uh, typically I am there on a weekly basis and I also teach classes and workshops out of that space. Um, many of which are designed for beginner beginners. So if you're in town, come see us. Um, In addition to making house calls, I work with a number of private clients and students um, over Skype, FaceTime, phone, etc. And I offer a range of things from tarot to sort of intuitive development sessions, kind of helping people step into their own magic Um, And doing a lot of sort of mentoring and coaching um, for people that are kind of just starting on their spiritual path um, and looking for sort of guidance and support um, as they discover their own magic. Wonderful. Thank you so much for doing this, Lauren. And happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Um, I hope everybody has a magical night. 
Thank you. All right, guys, that is a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Self-Care Spotlight brought to you by The Journal Deck, which you can shop for at thejournaldeck.com before the holiday rush commences. And if this podcast moved you in some way, I kindly ask you to share it or review it on iTunes so that we can continue our mission of spreading self-care and living your truth. Your love and attention means the world to me. Until next time, I am Alyssa Cousins signing off for the journal deck. Music by Lee Rosevere.